Oh, that mm-hmm. scene when she's like, when he's like, oh, this is not a proposal. And she's like, no, that's what Eris is for. And he's like, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I know. I was like, shit, it. I know where this is going. And I was like, I don't I want know. it. Don't hurt my baby Cassian. to another episode of Romancing the Monsters. I'm Em. Hi, I'm S. I'm Seth. Um, welcome back to the second part of our A Court of Silver Flames episode by Sarah J. Mass. Uh, if you missed the first episode, go listen to that one before listening to this one because it won't make much sense if you don't. <laughs> Unless you wanted to know our opinions on part three and four. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously. But uh, so this is, as Seth said, uh, it's going to focus on parts three and four. So if you want to know about parts one and two, you know where to go. Uh, let's go. <laughs> All right. Um... Part three. Valkyrie. What happens? Basically... Um, Nesta returns from her trek with Cassian in the mountains, and now she's able to fight with a sword. Well, train with a sword, actually. Um, and she still very much isn't ready to face what happened before she went to the mountain. Um, and that is, you know, what she said to Feyre and Amran and all of that. Um, so she is slowly accepting her traumas, but she knows what she's ready for and what she isn't ready for. Um... And part of the Valkyrie training is, yes, mind stealing, but also um, cutting a ribbon, um, which basically means that you've reached the end of your training, um, if you can cut it. Um, and basically, Gwen had brought it, and, you know, they're ready to try that out. But obviously, none of them had cut the ribbon yet, because it wasn't time, because they weren't done their training. Um, and Nesta decides to keep at it at her own personal training, which is going up and down the stairs because she wants to be able to reach the bottom of the stairs, um, and actually appreciate it this time, but she hasn't been able to since her bout of anger. Um, what else happens? Oh, yes. Um, and also Gwen being a priestess, they have a lot of religious ceremonies and services and Nesta, we also discover, um, is a lover of music. And um, singing, well, not personally her own singing. I don't remember if she sings. I don't think she does. She just appreciates good music. Um, And she asks Gwen if she can be a part of um, the services and just come and listen. Because that was, we find out at that point that one of the reasons why she kept going to bars and taverns and all of those places in the city was because she enjoyed the music. And like what, you know, what it did for her at that point. Um, so she goes to a service and then as she's literally, you know, enjoying this music, um, she gets into a trance of sorts and the harp kind of calls to her and she, not on purpose, kind of wakes it up. Um, (laughs) that was so scary. I'm not even gonna lie. I was like, what the hell is going on? And then she finds out it's actually, um, under the prison, um, under, like, under that mountain, you know where the bone carver was at one point. 
um, and where a lot of criminals and gods and creatures that Cassian had put away, um, they also were there as well. And then so they decide to go to the prison to get the harp because they still want to have as many, um, I guess, parts of the Dread Trove. Um, because they also know Briolin, the old crone queen, is coming to get that as well. So they go to the prison, and it literally sounds so scary, not even going to lie. I felt like I was going to die because, um, <laughs> you know, I was there. Um, and anyways, uh, she knows where to go, and she goes to a place where even Cassian didn't know existed. Um, and then she goes there, basically, and she hears the voices and sees visions of people trapped in the walls. Um, and this is from the person who had used the harp before her. Um, and she yells at the harp to release her, and it releases her, but it also releases a monster that Cassian had put away years and years ago. Lanthus, or Lanthus, or whatever the heck you say his name. Yeah, okay, so this brings me to another small, itty-bitty critique of this book, uh, which is, which is the fact that I wish we had explored places that we haven't already been okay the fact that we went to the prison i was like we've already been here Mm -hmm. you know like it was it was kind of like a do-over or like a you know akamath take two type thing Mm -hmm. okay i could see that like even this even the scene in itself was kind of similar as well so anyway i was just like i wish we had seen more of other places in this world that we haven't been with Farah and Reese before. Uh, but that that was it. Um, but, like, the swamp thing was new. Swamp thing. Well, I mean, kind of, but it was still close to under the mountain. I was like, why can't we go to, like, a place in the day court or, like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I was, okay, you meant, like, going to different courts. Okay, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, exploring different places. Like, why could the harp not be... In the day court or the dawn court, anywhere. That's true. <laughs> Literally anywhere. <laughs> that's true. I yeah, and I think that's a valid critique to have. Yeah, there's not that many different settings in this book, and it felt kind of stifling at times. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like that also kind of makes sense because Nesta herself is being confined, so the the feeling of being stifled in this story makes sense yeah. but i i kind of was hoping to see more of the world no and i think that's that's, that's a valid um critique because like you said um the dawn court i think would be cool to see or even like the day court as well like i mean obviously we've experienced like the summer court but that's literally i think the meeting the meeting with the high lords was in the dawn court right wasn't it the winter court? Or was it the day court? Is there a winter court? Where? Yes, yes, yes. There is a winter court. Yeah, the but, winter court uh, with Callias and Vivian. We're also pregnant, by the way, but we, we don't find out until later. But they're pregnant! <laughs> we find out in this part. I was like, oh my god, I'm more excited for this baby. <laughs> they were so cute. I want their story so bad because... He was stuck under the mountain for 50 years, and she, as his mate, 
was in his court and like they couldn't be together and like she didn't even know if he was still yeah. alive and like the pining and like i i'm pretty sure they didn't even know they were mates at that point or something like that anyway there was a lot of pining going on and i want it yeah i want it i i would have wanted it too what was your did you have a question no right? yeah my question was how did you feel about the whole prison scene with lenthus or whatever his it name was is? hot <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. Wait, excuse me. <laughs> Wait, what was hot? The vision that he gave her. I was like, damn. Oh yeah, that yeah. was so hot. I was. He was. He was literally fucking her in, yeah. in that vision. I was like, okay, like this. Yeah, man. And like, and I love how Nesta. And she was tempted. Yeah, she was tempted. But I love how in her trance, she's like, Mm-mm, this man can't be better than Cassian. And, like, that's what kind of wakes her up and is, like, mm-mm. And then she starts fighting him. Oh, that reminds me. We never find out what that fourth object is. Right. Um. So, basically, there might be, or there probably is, a fourth dread trove. Um, but, literally, it's been wiped away from everyone's memories. And they only remember that there might be a fourth as soon as it's mentioned. Even Reese forgot that there might have been a fourth. Do you have... Uh, a theory on that? Not particularly. I I honestly could it be one of the blades that she created? But it would have been created before her, so I don't know. I had forgotten that until just now when you uh, mentioned the visions. Yeah, interesting. So we still don't know what that right, is. Right? Yeah, because okay. they did mention. Um, yeah, the fourth. It was shrouded. It was oh, it was um, it was something made of bone. And, like, it was shrouded in darkness, and that was the fourth stretch right. grove, but we obviously don't know what it is. But that was mm-hmm. the first time we see it. And then afterwards, once they go back to the inner circle, um, Nesta mentions it, that there's the fourth one, I think. And that's the only time that they kind of really talk about it. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, you keep evading my question, and you just said it was I hot. Mean, so. I liked it. <laughs> I thought it was fine. Like, that was when she decided to use the harp, and we kind of got to see the power of the harp. And like a small scale, yeah. Um, yeah. I like that it was like them working together to kind of fight Lanthus. Um, but I also ultimately love that it was her that cut him down and like literally cut him into pieces with her sword. What did you think that she? What did you think about her leaving and then coming back? Well, because she knew she couldn't fight him. I mean, it made sense. Like she doesn't believe in herself, yeah. and he told her leave. It, it made sense to me and then she comes back and I kind of I, I kind of think that the dread trove could be from the throne of glass world yeah I think so too I don't know why I got that feeling but I feel like there was one line at one point that made me think huh feels like it could come from that world yeah um no and I think what further cements that theory um mm-hmm. is that Around the harp and, like, where Nesta had to go to get the harp, there were um, symbols that Nesta and Cassian couldn't read and they couldn't decipher because they didn't know what it was. And me thinks they were word symbols. Mm. As soon as I read that, I was like, "Mm, she's so connecting these books somehow. Oh. Oh, no, never mind. I was going to say, could the fourth object be the word keys? But they weren't made out of bone. Maybe. But I did see, like, some people were talking about how, like, it could relate to Crescent City in some way, the fourth 
stretch trove, but I, I didn't want to look into it because obviously I haven't read Crescent City yet, so I'm not, I wasn't going to spoil it for myself. Can there be like a connection between all three series? They are connected. Yeah. The worlds are connected. When, when Aelin, spoiler, uh, spoiler alert, in Kingdom of Ash, so Throne of God series, if you haven't read that, spoiler alert, at one point Aelin is falling through worlds. Mm-hmm. I remember that. She falls through Crescent City. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know that. So she 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 describes like a um a river that's crescent like a crescent moon with like high rise buildings, yeah. and she's like, I've never seen anything like it before. Yeah. That's Crescent City. And then she oh. also falls into Valaris, which you know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So as I was watching the live, Sarah J. Mass like confirmed it. I didn't really realize people didn't know that it was confirmed and I kind of semi went viral on TikTok because I posted that and like everyone's like oh my gosh see like it was true they actually are connected and they're happening at the same time and that was Aelin that but fell it's like in the literally sky. just read Kingdom of Ash like did people not read that book it was so clear yeah. Reese literally like helps Aelin to slow her down because she was falling too yeah, fast and that's why I was so confused <laughs> why people were so but is it Astounding. People are confused because they haven't read uh, Throne I, I of Glass I, series? No, or? I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. When I read uh, Kingdom of Ash, Crescent City wasn't even out yet. And I already had a feeling that that city was Crescent exactly. City. Because it made oh. sense. <laughs> like, I don't know why people didn't connect the two dots. But Aelin shows up in this book. No, and like Aelin did see Reese and Favor. Like she didn't name them, obviously, but it was a dark-haired man with a pregnant-ass yeah. mate. And obviously, it was Reese and Favor. But I didn't know what was shocking to me during the live was that she said they were happening obviously at the same time. And after, like after I read A Court of Silver Flames, A Court of Silver Flames, you realize that there are, the stories are happening at the same time, simultaneously in different. Uh... Yeah, dimensions. dimensions. Uh, just for context, because you didn't explain in this book, um, when there's Starfall, uh, someone says, "Oh, there's this bad um, thing like this. It's like a because they see a red star, and that's like a a bad thing to see. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. As um, they comment on it, and essentially Sarah Sarah confirms that that was Aelin. Yeah. That's Aelin falling through the sky at that yeah. point. Oh, she's okay. the red star. I don't know if you girls had uh, listened. No, I don't think I sent you the video. She had said that she originally wrote that scene in Reese's perspective. Yeah. Um, but she didn't include it because her publisher, her, her editor, actually decided that it wasn't smart. <laughs> like a smart move to have like a book, like 500 pages of like Nesta and Cassian's perspective. And then just to like throw in Reese's perspective. Random scene where it's, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I understand, but I also would have wanted to read that in Reese's perspective too. Personally, it doesn't bother me at all that she didn't include it because we got it from Aelin's perspective in Kingdom of Ash. And it's not a recent, it's, it's a recent scene. It's Aelin's scene it's true she's the one going through something at that point and he's the one helping her out and we needed to see it in her perspective and we did to see it from his is kind of redundant in my opinion because he's just seeing someone fall through the world and not understanding what's going on and just understanding that she needs help that's it like that's not really needed so 
the fact that it was just mentioned that it was a, a red star and like if you haven't read the other book you have no idea what that that's is that's true um, you just think it is an ill omen or something yeah yeah um, but I do think it's very curious um, that this book talked about portals and worlds and parallel worlds mm. as often as it did. Gwen mentioned it. She mentioned that her boss is working on something, you know, in terms of like the 26 worlds or something. I think there are 26 that they were talking about. And like, obviously, we see the harp and how it has the ability to open up parallel worlds and like dimensions and go through time and all that stuff. And I just think it's really... I'm. If she's not setting up a crossover, then what is she setting up? <laughs> I mean, she did have the crossover. No, but I mean, like, an actual crossover with dialogue and, like... One day, Seth, we will get a scene of Rowan and Aelin and Reese and Farah having, like, dinner. No, but I need Nesta <laughs> and Aelin cool. to meet. I think they would be besties. Oh. Really? I feel like Reese and Aelin would get along. They would understand each other better. Rowan, Rowan and Nesta would get along. That's true. They'd just be brooding in a corner, not talking to each other, and that would be the greatest night for But I think Nesta's cutting humor <laughs> is very similar to Aelin's, which is why I think they would get yeah. along. True. I mean, Aelin get, would get along with literally anyone. I love I Aelin. Like. Anywho, we got really sidetracked. Moving forward, <laughs> um, Nesta plucks three strings on the harp, and it takes her to the house of recent Feyre. Um, Cassian is injured, obviously. Um, he suffered a lot fighting Lanthus. Um, and Nesta finally apologizes to Feyre, who literally forgives her instantly. Like, it wasn't even a question for Feyre. She's like, yep. And then they decide to hide the harp away from the mask because they think maybe the power for the both of them might not be the best thing to have them in the same room um, together. And then Reese, I think it was Reese, who decided to talk about, like, a his- like the history of the first High King. They hold off on getting their crown um, because it's in Ryland's possession. Um, so they kind of decide not to go about getting that because they don't want to have the power of all three of them at the same time. Because it also makes it easier for Ryland to get all of them, basically, if she comes to get them. Um, but they also kind of feel a bit wary of like their connection with Eris because he's feeling a bit unsettled with their alliance. Um, so they kind of decide to use Nesta um, to make him drool over her at winter solstice um, because we find out that she has a history in dancing um, and she was a ballet dancer um, when she was a kid Um, and apparently she has this power over men in the ballroom um, where she can make them fall in love with her basically. (laughs) Okay. Two things. Yes. Let's let's hear it. (laughs) First of all, did you feel like I felt that they kept using Nesta over and over and over again because she's easily, you know, usable. (laughs) That's not a word, I don't think. (laughs) But did you feel that way, that they were throwing her into dangerous situations just because she's kind of expendable in their eyes at that point? Not necessarily. She wanted to, though. Like, she never once said, oh, no, I don't feel comfortable. Even in her own head, she wanted to do what they were telling her to do. She didn't She didn't want to cry. Okay, yeah, that that's one thing that I didn't like either, but... But I feel like they kind of forced her to cry by using Elaine, kind of. No, Elaine. She, she knew she yeah. didn't want... 
Nesta took it upon herself to try and scry for it because Elaine was like, oh, I'll find it. And then Nesta's like, are you dumb? You're not, you're not putting yourself in danger. Um, and also you probably can't do it. Um, <laughs> the shade in that line. Do you not like Elaine? I have thoughts about her. She was a little. I have thoughts about her. We'll stare at the end. Yeah, we can we can talk about Elaine later on. Um. Anyways, um, I feel so bad. The people who ship Alarial are gonna hate me. Anyways, um, what was I talking about? Oh yes, um, I think she more or less wanted to do it. I don't think she felt like she was forced to do it. Any of it. But I can see why it would feel like they're putting her. Yeah, I can see that in too. situations and like using her and. I just didn't like it. There was something about it that every single time they were they were like, oh, well, Nesta can do it or Nesta will do it. I was just there was something about it that was really bothering me and how they went about it or the fact that they disregarded the fact that she has trauma, you know, that that maybe she's not ready. And I kept thinking, like, Reese would never ask Farah to do something she's not ready for. Never. We saw it through the whole of Akamath. He was constantly checking in with her. Like, if you can't do this, it's all right. Like, heck, I don't know if you remember. In Akamath, she couldn't go to the prison the first time. They had, they stopped, they went back, and then they tried again the next day because she couldn't do it. Yeah, I remember that. And I was like, why, where is that sympathy or empathy for Nesta? What, where is that, where is that for Nesta? You know what I mean? It was constantly like, no, we gotta, we gotta have these things right now. Go. I think what the difference is, Reese was kind of in Pharaoh's head. And Pharaoh is very vocal about what she didn't want to do and what she did want to do. Whereas Nesta puts on the strong front and she wants to do the things that she's been told to do. Yeah, Nesta, like maybe not for the right reasons, not because maybe she wants to do it for her, but maybe to protect Elaine or whatever. Um, but again, her strong personality kind of overpowers any fear that she might be feeling. Um, and I think maybe Reese only sees, or literally the inner circle only sees like the strength and her desire to want to do something. I don't know. I mean, even when she said she didn't want to scry like they literally put like a countdown on yeah I, that they was like, we need this by by the end of like i was like speechless that was amarin i hate that bitch i honestly hate her i'm not even lying i don't because amarin is amarin like i mm-hmm. i don't expect different from but- her i expect it from from reese okay i really do do you think it was like a sort of punishment like kind of like forcing her like that was maybe maybe heck he he was more understandable towards eris than he was with nesta true that's true but i also think it's personal for him in the sense where like he knows what pharaoh went through and at the hand of nesta and like you know he knows as a human what pharaoh went through because of nesta and maybe it's just for him it's more personal he's kind of blinded by like that that hatred that Pharaoh won't allow herself to feel for Nesta. Well, how do you feel then about the fact that Nesta literally had to let him know that she didn't mean any ar- harm to Pharaoh? How fucked up is that? Uh, has she shown any different though beforehand? They're sisters. So. She let. Okay, <laughs> but I think you did. Also need did to Nesta look- ever attack 
Farah in any way? Did she attack anyone in the court? She was going to let them all die if Farah didn't pick up the bow and hunt for herself and her family. I mean, to be honest, Nesta was kind of, she was nasty in the Yeah, she would have let really because, her sisters die yeah. to spite her dad because she was not willing. And she admits it too. To do There's what parts she, where she admits it as well. I don't know. I I don't like the idea of Reese putting himself between two sisters. I agree. Maybe it's because I have sisters of my own and I like to deal with my own shit with my own sisters and I don't want anyone to come in between us and decide things for us. Like, maybe that's why I'm so like... Yeah. About no, this I because I'm seeing totally it from my agree. own perspective, and I'm like, why are you putting yourself between these sisters? Like, let them. No, deal I with agree, it. and I was just playing devil's advocate. I was trying to look at the other side of things, but I totally agree. A man should not get in between two sisters. Like that's just the way it is. Ever. Ever. <laughs> that's none of your business. <laughs> yeah. Despite how nasty one could be. Yeah. My second question yes. is. Um, how did you feel about the whole ball thing? I liked Eris, it. I thought it was dancing, fun. Dancing, the marriage proposal. Oh gosh, Eris. <laughs> um, I will. I can't. I find Eris intriguing. Yeah, there's more to it. There him. is a lot more, and I am intrigued. Um, I am too. The hot redhead, who is kind of an asshole, and you kind of know that's my brand. I liked the ball scene, and I love my favorite. You find out, yes, Nessa was taking lessons for more to learn the dances of, like, the Fae, but Cassian was also taking dance lessons from more. <laughs> He's so cute. <laughs> and he was so nervous at first, because he, he just knew he couldn't compare it to Eris, because, like, somehow Eris is a terrific dancer as well mm-hmm. um but it was so cute how he was really nervous yeah <laughs> yeah and then like oh i just i no i i really did love that scene uh i didn't like see the purpose of it but i enjoyed it you know like sometimes there are just scenes where you're like yeah yeah i'm just here for the ride it didn't have an overarching purpose i would say i mean yeah. besides cementing eris as an like an ally i guess but also I don't know if you girls picked up on it. Um, Cassian had kind of stated, no, he did state, that Nesta was made for the night court colors, but Elaine looked out of place. Yeah. I was like, interesting. That is, really interesting. is that foreshadowing for the future? Do you think? I think it just means she doesn't, you know, she's not, spoiler, I don't think she's going to be with Asriel. <laughs> but, spoiler, I don't think she's going to be with Lucian either. Me either. <gasps> I, and with who? I really feel like with every book, Sarah J. Mass just zeroes in on the fact that they really are not going to be a thing. compatible. Yeah. She's every time they're in the same room, Elaine just wants to be somewhere else. And what breaks And Lucian, Lucian gives me the vibes of like, I'm pining over her because I feel like I have to. Yeah. And not because I actually do. And what breaks my heart, though, and this is one of my gripes with Elaine, and I didn't want to get into it now, but we kind of mentioned it already, is that she never gave Lucian a chance or, like, the time of day. She Mm -hmm. never did. And, like, it's not fair to Lucian. Like, she, he's one of the kindest men I was going to say I've ever known, but, I mean, fictionally... (laughs) 
You wish. <laughs> Fictionally, he's one of like the yeah. greatest guys I think I've ever read about. And like yeah. the fact that even Farah tried to sell Lucian to Elaine, it didn't help matters. She's like never given him the time of day. Even his gifts, she just throws to the side. Like she does not care. And it's just like it breaks my heart. And I want he deserves better. Yeah, I know their vibes together. It's just I'm not feeling it. I feel like they're this is not going somewhere happy i I, for sure plus like i mean lucian had like such a sad past yeah like he he his lover was murdered by his father yeah then he had this friendship with tamlin and like one could argue that tamlin was just as controlling and messed up towards Lucian as he was towards Farah. like for a while lucian especially in akawar like that timeline oh where he used Lucian, he used yeah. Lucian to partake in the Great Rite or whatever, and like have sex with the Anthea. He whatever. deserves to not be discarded as like I don't even want to give you a chance. I know type of thing. That is what I agree with as well. It's not fair, but because I feel like he doesn't really want that chance anyway, I'm like okay. But <laughs> like does, I just feel you know, like he because I, he doesn't give me the feeling that he wants her. Mm. He wants her because. She's his mate, and he wants that feeling. Okay. Yeah. What do you think, S? Because I know this is one of your ships, Elaine and Lucian. I don't know anymore. I read the bonus scene, and I don't know. I'm confused. Huh. I, I felt like that would have pushed you closer to Lucian. Yeah, but I shouldn't. <laughs> okay, before the bonus scene, Lucian and Elaine. No, I don't know. Because what she does in that bonus scene kind of makes me more mad on Lucian's part. Yeah. Like, it's disrespectful. That's true. Anyway, I don't want to get into it. Okay. But, okay, you know. okay. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so after the whole ball, Cassian takes uh, Nesta to her old human cottage. And we kind of relive their past in Nesta's perspective. Um, and their past meeting Feyre, Elaine, and Nesta. And we see the cot that her dad would sleep on in front of the fire. And, like, Nesta kind of sees it in a different light that he had given them the bed and had taken, like, the cold floor um, so that they could have some sort of warmth. And, like, she sees that he did kind of care in his own way, but she was still very angry. But first of all, it's important to mention it's important to mention how big of a step that is for Nesta yeah. because she talks about how this is, like, laying down her pride. Like, she is showing him how run down yes. her life was, how they had nothing. They were dirty, hungry. They didn't, like, have a roof or whatever. I mean, they did, but, like, you know what I mean? And they were sleeping all together in one bed. You know what I mean? Like, it was really important for her to show herself to Cassie in that way. And for him to say, like, I'm not the one that's ever going to judge that part of your life because I was right there. You know what I mean? I've been there. And he's Um, lived worse, too. So. Yeah, so that that was like an important moment of connection between the two of them and like understanding that they had. No, and I think it was it was important I think for Nesta to see I guess her life as a human in a different lens because she was very mm-hmm. hateful um prior to going there and I think she needed to see her life and with someone's other like another another person's perspective as well no yeah i agree i feel like the scene was necessary for her to show herself to cassian 
I feel like she does that a lot with everybody, right? Where she kind of tells them so they can kind of make up their minds. So she can kind of accept like, okay, they're going to leave me. I might as well show them all of me yeah. and all the bad mm-hmm. things that I've done. But she, she does it like when she's ready to do it. And yes. that's important. And yeah. like, I appreciate that. She's mm-hmm. not, she won't just do it because, you know, she feels like she has to or get, you know, naked, quote unquote, naked yeah. in front of someone just for the sake of it. Like she'll mm-hmm. do it, but she'll do it when she's ready to do it. And I it. think um, it was important for her to go back to the place where I guess you could argue her hatred, like her, her darkness kind of started. And she took the wood carving that her father did. Yeah, for Elaine. Right. And, like, I love how Cassian is like, did he ever carve anything for you? And she's like, are you kidding? Why would no. I? I would never have let him do something like that. But you also see, because they, they look at the the drawer that um, Farah painted. And, like, the fact that for, for Nesta it was flames. And I was like, her whole life she was compared to this thing this thing that she hates about herself like in a way like doesn't that make you pause it's like of course she's gonna arbor some real hatred for herself like that's literally it kind of comes back to the whole thing of like oh Gwyn and Emery are the only ones that see her for herself because everyone else sees her as this like as you call her death lady (laughs) um so, yeah, like, it started right there. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe it was Farah being, like, somewhat prophetic and being like, oh, she's going to be the flames. Like, sure. But it also, like, she's constantly compared to this, you know? That's, I didn't think of it that way. What I saw when I looked at those, um, her drawer in particular, um, because, one, her flames aren't orange and yellow and red. Like, we know they're yeah, silver. Sure. Whatever. Um, I looked yeah. at it as, like, she was going to be living in this eternal sense of turmoil. Like, you know, like, she was always constantly going to be burning with, like, this hatred, like, this, this pain. And I, that's how I saw her drawer. I didn't see it as, like, um, like prophetic or, you know, in the terms, like, she'll have the power of flames or whatever. Or even, like, you know, being compared to those flames. I just saw it as, yeah, she's just going to be eaten up or burnt alive with that pain that she's but that's feeling. sad that's the only painting that represents her that Farah has ever done exactly she didn't paint her in her house until later on mm-hmm. but even then you could argue that it's uh it's Nesta looking like a warrior like full of blood and shit <laughs> like uh, you know like how about a nice portrait of her and Cassian looking happy <laughs> you know <laughs> like even then she's she's related back to that that thing she's like compared to that thing that was i think that that was important to remark upon but flowers for elaine i mean that's pretty on the nose for that um (laughs) um anyways moving on when so starfall isn't it starfall after that um no first before that is emery coming to the library and then gwen gives them their presents and it was them being written into the book that her boss is working on for the valkyries and because, yeah. like, one breaks me, she's like, this is because our stories are worth telling. And, like, I, I think that was something Nesta always, like, felt. And she talked about how, like, her story isn't worth telling. Like, her past isn't worth anything. And, like, she doesn't want to tell it. But, like, she has this person, Gwen, who's, like, seriously suffered through a lot. Um, and at this point, um, Nesta, I don't think they really know, like, the, the how bad it was for Gwen and, like, what she's been through. And it's just... 
yeah, just that line was so simple that our stories are worth telling, but like it holds so much emotions for these characters as well as like the readers as well. Everyone's stories worth telling. Yeah, everyone matters. And I'm just happy that Nesta had to, like, she heard that. Especially in a book for a character like Nesta. Yes. Who a lot of people, real people, real life people, readers, were like, I don't care about this character. She's, you know, mean. Mm -hmm. She doesn't, she isn't, uh, she doesn't deserve happiness for what she did. I don't care. I don't want to know. And it's like, well... She deserves her story told. I you know? agree. Yeah. Moving on. To, sorry. I just, okay, I wanted to get to this part because um, I thought it was really interesting um, because we know, like, this house, it's not just enchanted because the we house. know the houses um, in this Prithian world, they have the, you know, the ability to give you food and, like, water and, like, get your bath ready and all that stuff. Um, anyways, we realize that the darkness in the library is something that they've all feared um, up until this point. Like it was something that they, you know, Emery heard her father, Nesta, you know, experienced like the same darkness she felt in the cauldron. I don't remember if Gwen had ever felt anything there, but then Nesta finally, um, she's led basically by the house um, to the center of the library. And I kind of have the quote here and I'll just read it. Um, so, so this is Nesta after she's like experienced like the darkness. She's at the part where she feared the most. She's never really gone to this point in the library yet. And then um, she realizes that the darkness that she was so afraid of in the library is actually like the heart of the house. And so basically what she says is, but your darkness, wonder softened her voice. You were trying to show me, show others who you are down deep, what haunts you. You were trying to show them all those dark, broken pieces because the priestesses, and Emery and I were the same as you. And then she blew out her lantern. I'm not afraid, she whispered into it. You are my friend and my home. Thank you for sharing this with me. Nessa's relationship with this house made me sob. Honestly, the house is the standout character in this book. (laughs) She's... The house is literally the best character. I was like, oh my god. I, I didn't know I needed a sentient, uh, loving house yeah. in my life. But here it is. And I love it. And I want and, it. I want that house. Yeah. If I can pair this with the Starfall thing that I'm trying to say for like 20 minutes now. Oh, yeah. Because um, during the whole Starfall thing, um, Amran and Nesta... Uh, Nesta apologizes to Amran for what she she said. Yeah. Um. And Amran tells her, "You made the house." Yeah. Like it was another because maid. and and she and Nesta and Nesta is like, "What? How?" And she was like, "Because you needed a friend." Like yeah. deep down, she realizes that all she needed in those early days, when she felt so alone yeah. and isolated, she needed a friend. So she made a friend. She made the house what yeah. it is because otherwise it wouldn't be as sentient as it is and everything. So, yeah. so this kind of um, comes back to the whole thing about like Reese saying that her power is death. Mm-hmm. It's not. It can also. It's also life, you know, in a way, because, yeah. you know, also later on, she co- sort of gives life. But we can talk about that. We'll when talk we get about there. that later. <laughs> but it was so important. It was it so was. important because up until that point, she was convinced that all her powers could do was destroy. Because that's all anyone's been telling her. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she was she was finally realizing that, no, her powers could also be joy and love. Yeah. And care, you know, and 
that was so important for her and i'm pretty sure she's like she nearly breaks down in that scene and i was like same <laughs> i think she did break down um and then amarin's response to that was um sorry i have this quote too and i thought it was really important to share um after she says um after nesta thought her power only does bad um but nesta tells her um that's the key isn't it to know the darkness will always remain but how you choose to face it handle it that's the important part to not let it consume to focus upon the good thing sorry to focus upon the good the things that fill you with wonder she gestured to the stars zooming past the struggle with the darkness is worth it just to see such things yeah and that's that's also the whole thing with the stairs because the first time she manages all the stairs, yeah. she does it out of anger and she feels no joy exactly. when she's done. There's no, there's nothing good that comes out of it. She just does it and then she's angry. But when she does it for real and she goes down all the steps and eventually she's like, all right, I did it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like then she feels actual joy of like doing yeah. it and she goes right back up. She's like, I don't. I don't have anything else to do, but this is great. I've done it. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like the things that you do for yourself, not out of anger, but out of feeling like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Will always outweigh the ones that you do out of anger. And also doing things on your own, despite what everyone, you know, if people are telling you to do things, it doesn't have the same value. Like you said, if you do it for yourself and because of yourself. Um, which is why, like, I loved when she finally came up those 10,000 stairs and, like, Cassian is there waiting for her. And, like, yeah. this is right before the Starfall event. And, like, she just runs into his arms, sweaty and all, stinky and all. And she's just, like, so grateful to be alive at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Because she didn't do it to escape. She didn't do it to go drown her sadness into alcohol and men she didn't do it out of anger she just did it because she knew at that moment that she had the inner strength to do it yes mm -hmm. and then once she was down she was like all right well done it yeah <laughs> bucket list <laughs> um but we didn't talk about the um the winter solstice event so this was like you know their christmas party or whatever with just the family and then Nesta agrees to attend as well. Um, and this is, we finally um, find out <laughs> what Cassian had gotten her the previous year um, that he threw into the water. How did you girls feel about it being um, one of the first texts ever written? Like one of the first books? I mean, if, if it was fitting, right? Because she's a reader. She's, um, But it, it got me thinking about that theory that oh, people the had. Yeah. 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 So I made a no and then I went back. I was like, okay, it wasn't the siphon. No, it, was it wasn't. <laughs> um, I know. I kind of wish it was though. But I kind of like that it was the book because like it was, it's not something that relates to her Faye new, like it wasn't something that related mm. to her new self. It was more like he knew True. her to the point where he knew her interests. Yeah. He knew what she was passionate about and that was books and reading and, and like imagine getting one of those first things ever written. Yeah, because he says, like, I don't expect her to read it, but because she loves books, I think she would she would treasure this. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. but do you get my point now of like, so we get Starfall, we get the Night Court shenanigans, we get the prison. You, you get my point of like, this is kind of like we we're going everywhere we've already been. Yeah, 
Yeah. I do, I get that, and I, I agree with that, but I feel like for this, like, this case in particular, this winter solstice family event was needed. It was needed for a rewrite. I think Cassian yeah. and Nessa needed a rewrite of that instance of last year. Sure. Um, so this one, I I think, was needed. Um, but then we find out this year that Cassian decided to get her, oh my gosh, I love this man. Um, an orb that plays music because, again, he knows it's one of her passions. That was a sweet gift. Cutie pie. I know. Yeah. How did you girls feel about her reaction to it? Because at first she's, like, elated and so happy about it, but then afterwards she starts being a bit mean. He had gotten her the uh, the music thing, and then he tells her how he would gotten musicians to play uh, the day after and then this brings her back to, like, her insecurities and how she feels undeserving, um, mm. a, like, with his love and all of that. And her self-doubts are resurfacing. And then she tells him that she just deserves Eris. Like, someone like Eris, not someone as good as him. Oh, that mm. scene when she's like, when he's like, oh, this is not a proposal. And she's like, no, that's what Eris is for. And he's like, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I know. I was like, shit, it. I know where this is going. And I was like, I don't want I it. Don't hurt my baby Cassian. I was literally interrupted in the middle of that scene. Like, literally when he says, what was that? I was like, how dare you? I'm about to get the angst that I want. Yeah. <laughs> But it's just so sad because that's when she finally breaks down and tells him her, like, self-hatred. Like, it runs so deep. And she literally tells him, like, that was, like, her punishment, not talking to him, like, not pursuing that relationship with him. was That was her punishment for everything she's done. I know. Was I that know. also the scene where she, he says something like, um, well, I'm stuck with you, like, or something like that? Was it that same scene? No, you guys are getting of- you guys are getting ahead where he said, um, like like yeah, I think she said that she was stuck with him and then he said, um, I'm shackled to you or something. <gasps> yeah. That was later on. But, got me. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was it all blends Probably together. the the first and only time in the whole book where I was actually mad at Nista. Cause she was gonna ask him she was gonna refuse his gift for the second time. I was like Nesta, don't. <laughs> he literally did it last year. I know. Because you were a bitch. Please don't make us go through this again. I know. <laughs> but, like, I just, when she, like, broke down and told him, like, that yeah. no, she okay, doesn't yeah. deserve him and, like, she never, yeah, yeah, ever yeah. will. I was like, thank God this evolved into them actually talking to each other. And communicating. And, and not, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this again. <laughs> Yeah. I cannot. How did Anyways, you feel about that? So then sex? they have sex. Yeah, this is the one where you <laughs> wanted to talk about. This is the one where they actually make love. Yes. For the first time. Yeah. And they mention a golden thread between them, yeah. which represents the bond. Yes. So by that point, we know that the bond was already there. Mm-hmm. And this is where I want us to talk about the mating bond of this book. How did you feel about it? Because obviously we've had the example of Reese and Farah, mm-hmm. and then, you know, not the same series, but we've had Rowan and Aelin. Yeah. Um, and the two worlds kind of operate the same as far as like meeting bonds and stuff. Um, how did you feel about 
the portrayal of the mating bond in this book because I was very confused and I felt like Cassian wasn't acting like a mated male even to the point where like afterwards instead of giving us the fuck fest that we all anticipated because that's what happened with Breeze and Farah he leaves but he leaves because it was like too much for him to handle yeah. wasn't it Emotion, but I right? wanted I I wanted that like because it's so fun like just come on guys like that that scene in Akamath after they've had their fuck fest and they go back to the cabin and like Reese literally has to beat the shit out of Cassian to get some energy out come on and like it doesn't last long but I'm like yes please please give me that territorial ultra protective just like uber alpha male Cassian for like one chapter <laughs> and then he leaves for like five days right he so that leaves kinda... for five days yeah. we don't get to see him that way because he was fighting it. He was still waiting for that the other shoe to drop with Nesta. Because, like, they haven't reached that point where, like, they've overcome every obstacle. And I think he was just so afraid of that. And he himself was also trying to fight the mating bond without, you know, declaring, like, you know, rejecting the mating bond. And, like, he was just so scared. So, and also, the fuck fest with Reese and Feyre happened after their mating ceremony. So we didn't get Nesta and Cassian's mating ceremony. True. And people want it. I don't want it. I want their ceremony. Can you imagine? It would be beautiful. They deserve it, both of them. It's a it's a wedding. Like what Do you know? <laughs> what? I want it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's because she's never given us a wedding before that I'm just like Which eh. is why I think she should. I wouldn't mind a wedding. A big old spectacle of a wedding. Yeah, and it would be like the event of you know this the the (laughs) season the life like this is the royal this would be like the royal wedding of royal weddings in prithian i don't know maybe it's because they made it into like this big thing that i'm less interested in it than if it was like a you know only close friends and family type thing yeah whatever moving on this is besides the point yeah that that's not till part four (laughs) um So during that time, Cassian and Asriel started building, um, like, uh, I guess, obstacle courses that resemble what the um, the obstacle course that you complete to get into the right ceremony, not ceremony, um, event, which is basically how um, Illyrians become Illyrian warriors. Um, and yeah, so basically our three girls kind of defeated that. Um, and Devlon, which is, like, one of the the warriors, the sexist, disgusting warriors, and some other men, Illyrian warriors. Were you guys imagining, like, an obstacle course, sort of, like, Wipeout, or, like, those shows where it's, <laughs> yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of was. I feel like that's, that's what I was imagining. How they described it, no? <laughs> yeah. I'm just envisioning them getting knocked over by, like, a ball. It was funny. Um, um, yeah, so what happens because of that? Yeah, but they also cut the ribbon. Gwen cut it first, then Emery, and then Nesta. Yeah. Wait, don't they have, in this part, their, like, girls' night, where they have, like, yes. bracelets? They make friendship bracelets. Yeah. <laughs> that was so cute. Yeah, and they Nesta made friendship bracelets. makes them. Nesta makes them. Well, she made sort them. of puts some, yeah, she puts some of her magic yeah, into they... them. And, like, it becomes sort of like a... A GPS of sorts? Yeah, like a, <laughs> a, a homing beacon. Yeah. 
Um, and basically, she just imbued it with magic while whispering that they will always find each other despite everything. Um, yeah, so basically, part three ends with them getting abducted in the middle of the night and taken to the blood rite. Part four. Ataraxia. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. <laughs> Ataraxia. Ataraxia. Atar- how do you pronounce that? Atar- Ataraxia? Ataraxia. Ataraxia? I don't know. Ataraxia. I'm not no linguist over here. Anyway, it means hope, right? You don't find that until the end, but I love when it happens. Well, I mean, we are in part four. Yeah, it does. It means means something. (laughs) Oh, it means inner peace. That's the one. Because my girl found it. Yeah. Um, Anyways. They are in the blood rite currently, and Nesta is the first to wake up, and we see that there is somehow weapons in the blood rite, and that's something that is not allowed. Like, weapons aren't a thing. You have to make your own weapons. And also, you are not able to pull anyone out of the blood rite. Even Reese is not um, the exception to that rule. He isn't above it. And once Cassian realizes that, uh, you know, they've been taken away... um, you know, he, he's he's crazy. Like, he's going crazy at this point because he's like, missing his mate. We didn't talk about it, but <laughs> at the end of part four, yes, the whole mate discussion happens and uh, Cassian is like, what did he say? I'm shackled well, to someone like you. Okay, yeah. And then, so uh, first of all, I think she says, like, mates is for the fae, and I'm not fae, so obviously she has some work to do there yeah. um, in accepting what she now is. Um, and then, yeah, he says he's shackled to her, and she's like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> I think hurt. we all were like, what the fuck? And, like, immediately he's like, oh, that was a poor choice of words. <laughs> you can see himself hating himself. <laughs> I love that he literally says that. Yeah. And she's like, you think? But that that was not cool of him at all to say. Yeah. And that whole conversation ends with her saying, like, because, okay, so one thing we didn't talk about is that they made this, like, bargain in the beginning. They have tattoos for it on their backs. And the whole bargain is that um, she can call in a favor at some point in exchange for him doing what again? Um... Okay, so he had wanted her to train, and he said, and she, sorry, she had said, yes, I will train with you um, if only you give me a finger or something. Yeah, 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 okay. And so she calls him, she calls in um, the favor in that scene, and she's like, you will go, and you will not talk to me until I talk to you. Yeah. And so he's forced to leave, like, literally compelled to leave her, even though he doesn't want to. Yeah. And um, that's when she goes to Emery, crying, they talk, blah, 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 and that's the whole blood right yeah. thing. So, yeah. And then, so that's why he was not able to protect them or save them from um, being put into the blood right. Because apparently it's very brutal. Um, yeah. Um, Nesta makes her first kill. She's on the run. She's trying uh, to hold find... Hold up. Hold up. You cannot just fly over the fact that Reese is like, I don't care that you're worried about your mate right now. You gotta go save fucking Eris over there. Oh, that's right. I was so mad. Okay, no, I agree. I agree with what you're saying, but I think you also need to look at it um, differently in the sense where Reese knew if he had let Cassian, like, you know, do his own thing, Cassian would have probably ended up in the right and taken Nesta out of there 
and like you know destroy things and die anyway but it was over it was over at that point (sighs) listen hold on so nesta is kidnapped and thrown into the blood right with her friends that's one two we find out that Reese and Farah did the stupid ass bargain together yeah. so that Reese can't be the one to go and retrieve Eris himself because of this fucking bargain that if Farah dies, he dies. Dumbasses. And then three, he's like, so Cassian, you're going to have to be the one to go. And I don't care that your mate is in the blood right because we need you right now. When we all know that if this was Farah, Reese would literally be going insane and no one would be asking him to be going off to some distant uh plane to save a dumbass that got kidnapped all right thank you that was okay (laughs) thanks for coming to my ted talk (laughs) i'm not a re-sympathizer okay like i know what he does he's done wrong and i get your points i really do but i also think you need to acknowledge that Feyre did not like have the same training that Nesta has. Nesta is literally now a Valkyrie. She is trained Valkyrie. Um and Cassian at the back like in the back of his mind, he knows that these three women can handle themselves and they need to do this for themselves. But it's I, I agree with you. Yes, Reese would have like tore the world apart to get Feyre out of there, but he also is not above that law. And secondly as I said before, he made sure Cassian was occupied and protected with Asriel because he didn't want, obviously, Cassian, because he knows Cassian's mind isn't fully on board with um, the mission of rescuing Eris. All I get that, you know, and I get, you know, what you're saying, but I also think that Cassian knows Nesta can handle herself if need be. And then wasn't he put in danger and still going to retrieve Eris like he yeah. was still put in danger but it was more so he literally like a got compelled game. like it was a stakeout it was a stupid ass thing that's what it was nobody should have gone that's what should have happened all right and it makes it worse that Nesta and the girls literally said yeah nah, we don't want to do the blood right yeah and then they end up being thrown in there with the dumbass cousin that's actually kind of evil and working with the queen. Well, because he's being controlled by the crown. Anyway, it was by that point, ladies <laughs> that I was like, that Marge canceled Reese. Reese. I literally canceled Reese. <laughs> I was like, Cassian deserves to be panicking in a corner right now, and he was. He was mate. panicking while staking out Eris. S, do you have do you have a TED talk for us? <laughs> I'm back and forth between you two, um, but I mean it was a distraction for Cassian because if he would have gotten her out of there, he would have faced death, right? Yeah, and even right? Reese couldn't protect him from it. So I yeah, honestly so think Reese was looking at. I it get like it, was- Marge, and I get it, Sev. So yeah, he was protecting his brother and also like his mate. And, like, it's just, like, it was a tough situation for Reese to be put in. And we also can't forget he's still dealing with the idea that his mate's going to die and he's going to die and, like, what's going to happen to his child. And, like, it was a lot going on for Reese. And I'm not sympathizing with him. I'm empathizing with him. And I think <laughs> we need to be able to recognize that Reese is allowed to have moments where he, like, messes things up or, like, 
doesn't make the best decisions because like he is going through things too and like I don't even did he get to work through his traumas under the mountain I don't really recall and I just I just think it's a buildup of a lot of things happening in, at this point in the book and yeah I don't know where I was going with that <laughs> yeah moving on <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, Nesta gets yeah. Emery first yeah. because she's the closest and I think she was also in the most danger. Um, yeah. and then after that, they get Gwen and so they continue on to the Blood Bright. Um, the girls forge ahead. During this time, um, Az and Cassian are doing their stakeout type thing. Um, Gwen gets shot in the leg. Um, by trying like they're trying to go over the bridge that would lead them to the mountain Ramiel um but yeah Gwen shot in the leg uh Nesta here is where we find out Feyre had actually taught Nesta how to shoot a bow and arrow and she uses that and shoots um the men chasing no she uses that to shoot an arrow to Gwen so that she could because they've cut the bridge at this point to swing over um and I thought that was a really interesting moment because we never really thought that Nesta knew how to shot, shoot a bow. And then they have that scene because so they've made it to the bottom of the final mountain, mm-hmm. which I can't remember the name of it. Um, and by that by that point, so there's like three kinds of uh, winners, I guess you could say, yeah. like three tiers yeah tiers um and so by that point they're at like the second tier so like they could be like oh we'll just wait it out here for the next morning and then we'll be you know almost there like we're second tier it's fine like we didn't even want to be here whatever yeah and that is the scene that i was uh referring to back in the first episode where i said that one scene really got to me yeah it was the scene where they all tell their story. Yeah. Like, finally, they all open up to each other, uh, Marie, Gwen, and um, Nesta. And Gwen is like, we're going to climb that fucking mountain. For us. Because we're going to do it for yeah. us. Not for this blood right, not for what it means. We're going to do it for us because we deserve to do it. Yeah. And we, we're capable of it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how did you feel about that? Loved it. That scene was so powerful. Yeah, it was. It really was powerful. Yeah, I agree. I think when you found out the extent of what Gwen was going to go through um, when she talked, like, you know, said her story about how she was raped by um, one of Highburn's commanders and he was about to pass her over to, like, his men and just be raped brutally over and over again. And all she was trying to do was save her people, save the children in the temple. Um, and then Az was the one that had saved her and killed the commander and all the men that were going to rape her and brought her to the library, her safe haven. And it's been her safe haven for years. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. It was just really and emotional. Yeah. And, and there's something else in the blood, right, that I feel could pass under, you know, a lot of people's radar. But I, I thought it was a really important moment for Nesta. So in the blood rite, magic stops, essentially. Like, you can't use your magic. Yeah. But it was um, that cousin, whatever, Emery's cousin, managed to, um, like, how did he even manage that? I don't remember. But there were weapons there when it shouldn't have been. 
anyway, and and I don't remember exactly what brought this on, but at one point she talks about the fact that the blood right magic recognizes her as a person, not a thing. Do you guys remember that? No. That really struck me because she was like so, and and she literally said she didn't re- she didn't realize how much she needed to hear that um, that she was being recognized by this magic as a person. So her magic was um, couldn't she she couldn't use her magic as opposed to being a thing, mm-hmm. and the things the magic was still working for them. So yeah, I mean it, it, you know because I I I felt like that added to the whole thing of like. You know, A, realizing that her magic isn't just for death. It can also create things yeah. and make things and whatever yeah. and give life later on. And like, but also you are not your power. You are a person. Yes. And you are not lesser than because of it. And you are not anyway, more I was just, because I, of your power as well. Yeah. It was like three lines in the whole thing. But I was like, whoa, that is huge for her yeah and I think a lot of people kind of miss that point yeah because because I think in a way when she made those three blades I feel like part of her was looking at how they were treating those blades as like this mass weapon of destruction yeah (laughs) and she was seeing herself the same way yeah because yeah she kind of thought of herself the same way and so she needed to realize, no, there is a difference between the objects and me, the person, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so at this point, they're all very exhausted and Gwen's leg is not helping her in, by any means. So Nessa decides to carry her um, to, to the top of the mountain, basically. And that would mean that they won. And uh, so, yeah. Gwen is being carried, but then they sense Emery's cousin kind of chasing them with his men. And so Nesta makes the decision that she will sacrifice herself to allow Gwen and Emery to be safe. And she basically knocks out Gwen um, so Emery could carry her. Um, and then Nesta decides to, you know, make her final move. And I just thought, like, that scene also had me crying. Um because of how emotional it was, because, yeah, I don't know. I just, like, that scene really broke me. I don't know. And when she sees them, like, winnow away, and she's like, they've made it. Because she had kind of said, I don't remember, I think she did say it. She was, like, how she kind of wanted, you know, to do something good with her life and, like, to help people. And, like, obviously she wanted Gwen and Emery, her best friends, her new, like, her found family. This was her family at this point. And it's just, like, she wanted them to survive. And if that meant her dying, she was okay with that. Um, at that point, until later on, as she's fighting Bellius or whatever the heck his name is, that she kind of wanted a life with Cassie. And she wanted a life with, you know, Emery and Gwen. And she also wanted, you know, to form bonds with Feyre and Elaine as well. And, yeah, I just thought that whole scene, that whole scene was epic. That was when she finally accepted Cassian as her mate, right? Yes. She calls him mate. Like, she makes a point of calling him that. Yeah. When she was fighting him. him, uh, Bellius or whatever. Which, I mean, the whole thing is like, so Cassian is compelled at that point. And like, the queen is like, did you already say that? No, no, I didn't. 
Okay, so <laughs> Cassian is like compelled by the queen to kill Nesta, yeah. but then last minute he turns the knife on himself because the wording of the queen was a little bit loose. So yeah. like there were holes in there. So like he managed to turn it on on himself, and before he goes for the kill, <laughs> um. Because, like, um, it's, like, super emotional because, like, in his eyes, you can see that he's, like, pleading. Like, he's, like, yeah. I don't want to do this. Um, And so, anyway, before he actually can kill himself, Nesta just, like, explodes. Unleashes her power. <laughs> she literally, yeah. Yeah. Just amazing. And she unmade her, that, right? That's what she said? Yeah. She, the, or Cassian and said? And turned her like, to ash. She literally mm-hmm. obliterated the queen. <laughs> yeah. That was epic. But before that, we got, like, our first actual physical appearance of Koshi. And I don't know. I don't know how I feel about him yet. Because I just feel like he didn't really leave an impression on me. Neither did Brylin. Because I don't think the villains really had a purpose in this book. Like, there, it was very much a character-driven story, like you said. And, like, a journey of a character. So I didn't really feel any lasting impact on, like... I feel like Nesta's worst enemy was herself. Yeah. And that obviously we're not getting into it yet, but that was her monster, (laughs) her belief that she was undeserving and like everything that she's been through. And anyways, things are okay. Um, Cassian is saved. Queen is dead. Moore decides to arrive and say Nesta's in labor. And Nesta, sorry, Feyre's in labor. (laughs) If only. Um and can you imagine it's like that 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 TV show I didn't know I was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> you know I used to watch that all the time on TLC. <laughs> Anyways, um, so, so Nesta is you know and Cassian they're all there awaiting this birth. <sighs> Feyre is in pain. She's bleeding. She literally has blood everywhere. Baby comes out. Baby isn't breathing. It's, it's baby is tiny. Baby's also very tiny. Um, premature, two months premature. Yeah, and so Nesta doesn't know what to do at all. But like she feels like this urge, so she calls the harp, the mask, and the crown, and she plucks the twenty sixth string and freezes time. Yeah, that was badass. She was so badass. How did she know the twenty sixth string was time? It's it. She finds out in the prison when she's talking to Lenthus or whatever his name is. He 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 says something that has her go. Oh, okay. And then it's never mentioned again, and she that comes back then. Mm-hmm. Okay. At, at that point, at that moment. And as she freezes time, she tells her sister that she loves her. Yeah. And it was the only time she's ever said it to anyone. And because of that, she begs the cauldron and the mother. To show her how to save her sister and the baby in exchange for the powers that she stole from the cauldron and from the mother. So she saves and the she baby. she gives everything she's got. Yeah. And, like, the way that it was done, too, like, her lying on top of Feyre and, like, whispering that she loves her. And, like, just that whole scene, again, had me crying um, because you get to experience Nesta's love. And... And for the mother to be present in that moment, mm-hmm. so like essentially a goddess, it's like, so even the mother is telling her, 
no, you are worth it. Like, you are not just death. Yeah. You are life. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I took it anyway. It was like, no, you're not just accompanied by death throughout your life, Nesta. Life is right there, mm-hmm. you know, just waiting for you to acknowledge it. Yeah. That was a powerful moment. Yeah. And then time, you know, starts again. And Farah's like, I love you too. I know. And yeah. then Reese starts crying and falls to his knees in front of Nesta. And like we know Reese said he would never go on his knees for anyone besides his high lady. Um yeah. and yeah, he cries and thanks her. Yeah. And the baby is grown and yeah. Farah's mm-hmm. womb was altered and Nesta altered her womb. Uh you yeah. know, <laughs> casually, just like that. She was like, you know what? I want babies too, so let me alter that. But you know what thought I had? Because I was like, okay, so she altered her own and Farah's. But I was like, being a, a Gwyn and Asriel shipper, I was like, I really hope, you know, she paid it forward to her friends. Because, like, I want some Gwyn and Asriel okay. babies now, and that's not possible. Okay, okay. I didn't want to talk about this yet, but I feel like we can talk about it. Okay. Okay. We're at the end anyway. This yeah, we are. Um, so, <laughs> yes, I firmly, I might firmly... <laughs> ship Gwen and Asriel um and one like okay having a baby does not equate to you being endgame not at all like your ability to have a baby not have a baby does not mean that's who you end up with or that's who you do not end up with but I do find it interesting that Sarah J Maas found the the necessity she found it necessary I guess I should say to mention that Gwen is half fey and half nymph, and because of that, her bones are more pliant. Um, oh. So that would mean her womb and her, you know, pelvic bones and all of that, and her birth canal oh would be more God. pliant. Oh my God, that's so foreshadowing right there. I had completely forgotten that fact. You did? That was, as soon as I picked it up, I was like, wait, what's the point of this? Because I... All I was thinking about was, like, well, I really hope she, like, altered everyone in the room, whether or not they want kids, just in case, you know? Because this yeah. is our one-time chance. Yeah. We're never going to get this chance again. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So that's why I was like, hmm. But again, it doesn't mean that she's meant for Azrael or for a Batman. Like, she's not, you know. The, well, she totally is. <laughs> but she is, you know. Because I just, Sarah J. Mass loves these babies and, like, clearly with, you know, little Nixie. Yeah. What did you think of the, the name Nix? I liked it and I liked that it was chosen from a female goddess. What did you feel? Sass <laughs> is just looking at us. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I liked it. I mean, I don't remember them mentioning it was, is that, like, part of the... Well, they, cho- okay, so they chose the name in the bonus chapter, the bonus scene. Um, but they do mention it in, when they name the baby, that it's Nyx. But I don't remember them mentioning, like, what it, why Nyx. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's in the bonus scene. It's, um, it's one of uh, a goddess that Reese had um, read up on and, like, found that goddess very, you know, compelling and interesting. And he says, like, let's name our kid Nyx. And, like, Farrah's like, oh, you know what? I like that name, too. And so they decided to name the kid Nyx. I like that it was, like, a female goddess. And I just, Reese has always been a feminist, um, so I really liked. Feminist king, except when it comes to Shut up, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Book ends. Until the end. <laughs> Book ends with Nesta and Cassian having their mating ceremony sometime soon. And yeah. Cassian also meets with Eris one more time. And we find out 
that Baron had tortured him to get information about what had happened, but he never gave up, he never gave them up. And he keeps talking about more and how she never said the truth about what happened. Um, mm-hmm. Which makes me think. And Reese won't say either. Yeah. I, he knows though. He knows the full truth. He knows. He knows because he went into Eris's mind and that's why, that's what made him trust Eris. He was like, okay. Okay. Ah, interesting. Is it just me or do you think more and Eris are mates? Oh, but then that would that'd be that'd be tragic. That's but maybe I could I I could see it. I could see it. But then I also don't like. Does that mean same sex mating bonds don't exist? Or because more she's not bisexual. She identifies. Yeah. No. I I don't see ne- uh, Nestat. What I don't see Sarah J. Mass. Uh, not like not allowing that. If that makes sense. Yeah. But that would also indicate you know why he would leave her there and not hurt her i feel like it's not that though i really feel like it's there was more going on in that court than we know okay i don't know eris is like a he's a very gray character a question mark yeah yeah no i don't know what to make of him but i'm intrigued there's i'm intrigued i want to know more well, what goes on in that head of his. I agree. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that bonus scene, can we? Finally. Finally. Yes. <laughs> so there is a Azriel slash Elaine slash Gwyn slash Reese bonus <laughs> point, bonus scene. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's after solstice and Azriel is still in the sitting room by himself and um, Elaine walks in and she's she was going to leave his gift because she has a gift for him, but not for her mate. Um, she was going to leave his gift, you know, incognito type of thing. Uh, but turns out he's right there, so she's like, ah, shit. <laughs> so she gives him his gift. And what was the, what was the gift again? Earbuds? Isn't it? Like yeah. Your, earbuds to oh kind of. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. 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 Because of Nesta and Cassian. I feel so bad for really Asriel. <laughs> and, um, and then that turns into them sort of kissing. I mean, not sort of. Definitely kissing. Because Asriel gives her her present as well, which is a, a beautiful necklace. A necklace? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, again, she appreciates his gift, not her mate's gift, which, anyway. That's kind of, yeah, that was kind of fun. Um, and um, as they are, uh, you know, sort of making no, out. No, like, they were right? about um, to kiss. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Azrael sees Reese, yeah. who is watching them being furious as hell. And he's like, you gotta come talk to me right now. Yeah. Um, so they go into Reese's office and Reese essentially tells him off. He's like... That is so disrespectful. Lucian is literally under this roof as we speak. You cannot do that. That, like, I can't, um, I can't be dealing with, uh, you know, a mate that, you know, has been disrespected that way because he could, um, he could ask for a duel, Mm -hmm. right? Like a duel to the death type of thing with Azriel. And he's like, I cannot be dealing with this right now. So you're going to stay the fuck away from Illy. Mm -hmm. Essentially, doesn't really give him a choice, which again, Reese in this book. Okay, no, no, no. Anyways. I have, I have a theory about that one. <laughs> Anyways, um, so then Azrael is frustrated. He, you know, whatever, and he flies off. No, you're missing the valid. Ugh. Hello, Azrael. Like, kind of like talks to Reese and is like, 
um, the cauldron might have messed up. I must have, like, I I oh don't think God, Elaine yeah. was meant for Lucian. Like, three sisters yeah. should be with the three brothers. I'm owed her. Oof. Yeah. Um, and then he flies off. To yeah, the yeah. He of flies off Gwyn. to the roof. Yeah. And Gwyn is there practicing at night because Gwyn is, you know, badass like that. And um, they talk. And... Wait, he doesn't give her the necklace. No, he gives it to Clotho to give to Gwen. Well, after to... that scene. Yeah, because I, I said he gives her, he gives Elaine her gift. He doesn't. No, he, they have a conversation um, just like about general stuff. And I, she, I remember, I think she like eases him or whatever, like eases the tension he feels. And like, she asks him if he like, if he sings and she's, and then he's like, I'm a shadow singer. Like, duh. And then, like, his shadows dance and sing with her and, like, they interact with her. And then he decides to, like, go to his room. And the next, I think the next day he leaves a necklace that he gave to Elaine um, to give to Clotho. Yeah, he, at first he's like, can you give this to Gwen? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I think the librarian is like, I think she's against it or whatnot. Like, something like... Well, no was she against it she just he said don't tell her it's for me and he, she's like oh, why yeah. yeah and then the reason why Azrael gave it is because someone you know like Gwen deserves something nice that's what she says that's what the librarian says she's like she deserves something this nice yeah um and literally and that's kind of how it ends end scene <laughs> so what did you girls think of him regifting the necklace? I was fine with it um yeah. in the sense where like I said it was he was it wasn't that he was regifting something he was just giving a necklace to someone that would appreciate it and would some would like like something like that. Okay, mm. as you have thoughts, I need to hear them. Yeah, I think it was kind of fucked up because that just kind of opens up cuz what if Gwen finds out that it was from him that opens up I don't know feelings, you know? And then there was a misunderstanding. Why did Elaine leave the necklace behind? He said this was a mistake. Did he say something like that? This was a mistake or I'm sorry. Pushes her away. So she's thinking like, okay, he's rejecting me. Let me just leave the necklace here. Like there's a misunderstanding. So for him to pick it up and re-gift it. Well, it makes for good angst in their future book where she finds out that the necklace she was cherishing because she thought it was for her. Turns out Mm -hmm. it was for someone else. Yeah. And (laughs) I think we'll probably find that out maybe at the mating ceremony. Because she might wear it to the mating ceremony. Could be. And then Elaine's gonna be like, bitch, that's my necklace. And then Elaine's gonna be like, bitch, that's my necklace. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no. I think Elaine and um, Gwen were not, they would not fight at all. Um, Okay, so my theory about Reese and why I think he was the way he is and like why he was so against it, despite them saying in previous books that Elaine has the right to reject the mating bond. I think it was he didn't want Lucian to be angry and, you know, it's happening under his roof and Lucian is right there is because like Lucian is one of like their prime allies. Like he's one of the most. Oh, for sure. Like uh, useful allies. He's like the, mm-hmm. the, what is it? The liaison between like the human allies, which is Jurian and Vasa and like, you know, the autumn court and even Tamlin, the spring court. He is like, connected to all of these different courts and all these different people so like mm-hmm. if they lose lucian they're kind of fucked yeah they can't lose him yeah 
So that's, yeah, that's the whole point of what he's saying. He's like, I can't. Yeah. Use that I lie. Exactly. So you can't make him mad by you know flirting with his mate under the same roof. Yeah. So I understood Reese. I didn't hate him. Like some people are canceling Reese after that experience. I'm like reading that. I'm I wasn't like, canceling him. Honestly, it's the least worth thing he. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, and plus I'm a Gwyn and Azrael shipper. So I was like, yes, please tell him to stay the fuck away from the lane. Okay. <laughs> what do you think of the idea that Azrael and Gwen are mates? I highly believe that they are mates. Because. I can believe it too. Because of the shadows. Like of how like she makes his shadows dance and sing. And he is the shadow singer. And like making his shadows move and like they like kind of flirt with her as well. Like they move closer to her and like they like, you know, they are like intrigued by Gwen. That's why I think they're mates. Because when he's with Elaine, they kind of disappear. And if anything, Sarah J. Mass is known for like making you embrace who you truly are instead of hiding aspects of yourself. Do does his shadows disappear when he's around Elaine? Yeah, they do. They do. Elaine? Yeah. Oh wow. They like draw back or like draw into himself. Which kind can I can I say my Elaine theory? I've been dying to say it. Go on. <sighs> I think she's gonna be a villain. Oh, I could see it. Because listen, I, I have the receipts <clears throat> in my head. I don't I don't have them written down. Okay, so basically I think she's honestly working with the human queens and she's still in contact with Grayson. Because he's mentioned in this book. Who the fuck is Grayson? Her human fiancé. Oh my god. And I think the only reason why she was (laughs) proactive in a sense to go and try and get the dread trove is because she's working with the human queens. Or maybe she's working with Koshi. Because he probably promised her that she will become mortal again if she gets him the dread trove. And I honestly think she wants to be human again and will do whatever it takes to be human again. And that includes being on Asriel's side and listening to his, like, because he's known as, like, the spy master, right? He has all the secrets. So maybe she thinks that being close to Asriel would benefit her in the sense where she would give that information to Koshi and the human queens and Grayson, who she probably still wants to be with. I think she's a villain. I could see it. And I wouldn't be mad. I would really love it because right now Elaine very much doesn't have a personality. Plus, she's barely in this book anyway. She always mysteriously goes missing and she always says, oh, I have to go fix this person's garden. Where are you going? (laughs) Like, I honestly think she's going to meet these people. Like, I could see it being either that or Sarah J. Mass is not planning on making her a main character at any point because But she does get a book. She doesn't have anything going for her. Sarah J. Mass has said that Elaine gets a book. Really? Mm-hmm. That's why I think her only story arc, unless I'm reaching, is her being a villain. Her villain origin story. Yeah, and I wouldn't be mad about <laughs> I feel honestly feel like Elaine is being what she thinks people want her to like she's making people perceive her as not a threat that she's over like she's underestimated all the time and she's playing into that she's playing into that weak facade but weirdly enough i can see it and then and i'd like it but at the same time i don't think that i would want to read it really does that make sense like i'm not that interested still i would be interested in that because i feel like it would be a 
big change in terms of like what she is now. But where's the romance? Where's the romance? I don't know, man. A tree? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Guys, oh I don't God. hate Elaine. I just don't find her as interesting as some people do. And I think that's on purpose. I think it's because she's trying to be unnoticeable. In all fairness, she was a little bit more interesting in this book than she has been in the past. Really? A little where? bit less naive and like up in the clouds. And like she had a few moments where she was like, my trauma is not for you to, you know, whatever it was that, that she said. <laughs> I just don't like how absent she was for Nesta. Yeah. The one sister that, like, has had her back and, like, was there while you were suffering. while You were, like, basically killing yourself. Um, In book three, Nesta was the one that was there and, like, fighting for you. And you couldn't even spend maybe five minutes fighting for her. Like, that broke my heart. Guys, I have another theory. Not my theory. I've heard it. But now that you said the rose thing and it was meant to be Elaine's rose. I think it ties into another theory I've heard. Tamlin and Elaine, mates, <laughs> taking over the world. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, okay, so, like, some people believe that Elaine and Tamlin are endgame. And, like... That's literally what I just said. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, like, they think, like, that's the true Beauty and the Beast story. Because he's a lion now. And, like, she's always meant to be, like, with flowers. And, like, that was her drawer. So, spring court, hello, Oh, let's my go. God! And then, so people think Beauty and the Beast in the sense where she's going to bring him out of his beastly form of a lion. And the rose represents the rose. What do you mean a lion? He's a lion? He's not a wolf anymore? Hasn't he always been a lion? He's a beast. No, he's a wolf. (laughs) No, he's not. Yeah. Well, whatever he is, whatever animal, goat, sheep, lion, dog, whatever. Whatever he is. Anyways, that's what some people think. And I'm like, I, I'm i intrigued. I can see it. Yeah. I would be intrigued by that. Still don't think I'd read it. Me but, uh, either. It's I two characters it. I don't really, <laughs> I'm not particularly attached to. But that would make sense. Like, it makes sense now that you mentioned that theory, if they end up being endgame. Right? It yeah. does make sense. When I heard it, I was like, mm, I could see it. Because flowers don't really spell out autumn court. You know, flowers die in yeah. autumn. Yeah. So. <laughs> so that's why spring court, unless she somehow, like, maybe Tamlin leaves it to Lucian. I don't know. But I still don't see her ending up with Lucian at all. Wasn't yeah, there, like, know. a quote that either Nesta or Cassian said, like, she would thrive in the spring court? Like, that yeah. would be her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? The colors matter. I zeroed in on that one. I was like, interesting. Yeah. And... How did you girls feel about Gwen's um, murky origin story? About her mother being a, like half nymph, half um, fae or what? No, she was a nymph. And no, she was half. And then so basically what had happened was her mom ended up in the spring court um, or a court, I believe. And she had, uh, had sex with a, a fae, high fae. And some people really believe that who she had sex with was Tamlin because that's the only way the timelines would line up. And her dad is Tamlin. Wait, what? I have heard, I have that, that uh, nymph part. Yeah, because highlighted. No, of all the other high lords and high fae would be under the mountain at this point. Gwen's like 20 years old, right? Or like 20 something, 25, 26. 
all the other high lords and high fair under the mountain at this point. Do you think she was, if if true, do you think she would be conceived during Karanayim or yeah. whatever it was called? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Oh it my says, my God. grandmother was a river nymph who seduced a high fey male from the autumn court. And do you have the rest of it about her mother? My mother was unwanted by either of their people. She could not dwell in the rivers of the spring court, but was too untamed to endure the confinement of the forest of autumn. So she was given in her childhood to the temple of Sangraba, where she was raised. She partook in the great rite when she was of age. And I, we, my sister and I, I mean, were the result of a sacred union with a male stranger. She never found out who he was, for the magic chose him that night, and no one ever showed up to ask about twin girls. We were raised in a temple as well. I never left the grounds until I came here. What does what does Gwyn look like? She, she has, has red hair. Red hair? Coppery hair. So that could just be her grandparents, you know, like remainder of the autumn court. And she has, I think, bright blue eyes, I believe. Yeah. Like, he big has green eyes. eyes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So you think that the Great Rite, during the Great Rite, she was sent over to the Spring Court for Karanayim or whatever it's called? Yeah, Cal- yeah Maybe. Calamine. Whatever Calamine. it's called. Yeah. And interesting. Because the key, I think the key thing there is, like, the magic chose him. And that's usually what happens to the high lords, right? On that great right night. Mm. The, the the magic chooses the high lord and like they have to have like crazy bouts of orgies and sex. And yeah, that's what makes me think oh. it's Tamlin. Unless it was Lucian. But like I only think Lucian partook in the right that one time when he was forced to sleep with Ianthi. I don't think Lucian partook in it before that. I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting to mention, and I'm curious to see if that plays into anything. Because then that could be Tamlin's like redemption-ish story in a sense. Now he might have a daughter to live for. I don't know. That is hmm. an interesting theory for sure. All right. Well, thanks for listening <laughs> to the second part of our, our Quarter Silver Flames discussion. Um, thank you if you've made it this far. I hope <laughs> this it was worse somewhat than entertaining. Um, yeah, I hope that, uh, you know, we had some interesting conversations for you. And if you have anything that um, you would want to tell us, anything you want to add, anything you want to discuss with us, please reach out online. Um, you can find us on Twitter at the RTM pod and on Instagram at romancing the monsters podcast. You can also email us if you want to at romancing the monsters podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and if you want to find me online, I am on both Twitter and Instagram at foes and lovers. And you can find me us on both Twitter and Instagram at, but this book, and you can find me, Seth, on both Instagram and Twitter at Pros with Woes. And that's it. Thanks. We Bye. will see you soon. Bye. Bye. Lord, I'm dead.